Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today, this is a super special interview to me because I connected with this person through another person. This is how networking works. And I just, I really love everything that he's doing, how he shows up and who he is at the core. You're going to absolutely love this episode. This is my conversation with Jeff Lopes. Jeff is a proud father of two, a husband and an entrepreneur for the last 25 years. Jeff has founded numerous companies from inception to seven and eight figure corporations. Included in these is True Blue Homes, a portfolio of vacation rental properties across the northern parts of Ontario, Canada, and Camiraware, a boxing martial arts equipment brand that was founded in early 2006 out of his own basement. Jeff is currently a host of the top rated entrepreneurial podcast, Jeff Knows Inc. And I was just on his podcast two weeks ago and loved our conversation. Over the past four years, he has coached countless entrepreneurs in balancing the obstacles of fatherhood and entrepreneurship and achieving a higher level of success in both areas. As fitness leadership college graduate and certified NLP master and life coach and a best-selling author, he has taken all of his experiences to create Man's Purpose, the fastest growing community of entrepreneur dads on the planet. We discuss so many things as he shares all things business, family, how important family is to him, how he pivoted and really jumped in during the pandemic when his main source of business was completely being shut down. And he didn't use that time as a time to sit around and wait and wonder. He dove in head first. And what he's created in this past year is unbelievable. But the heart that he shares on this episode it's next level. Honestly, next level. I adore this man. I'm so grateful to have him on this show. I know you're going to love it. Sorry, I'm not all dressed up. I got my, I got a sweater on. <laughs> I was thinking about that after I was going to the office. I was like, wearing a sweater today. It's all good. Welcome to the show today, Jeff. I'm so thrilled <laughs> to have you here. <laughs> Where are you from? Toronto, Canada. Just, uh, I'm, I'm a rock throw away from you. I know, which is so strange because it's so funny because so many people I interview are like California and they're all over the place. So it's so great to be able to have somebody who's Canadian up the street, literally. All right. You and I have had a few conversations and um, I just want to give people a chance to get to know you a little bit more before we dive into a few things. Are you a reader? And if you are, what is the most impactful book you've read? (sighs) 
Oh God. Um, uh, probably a years ago, uh, rich dad, poor dad. I mean, that's probably one of the, my most impactful ones that, that I kind of still refer to every once in a while, but, uh, I'm, yeah, I, I try to take, there's nothing really, I, I really focus on. I just try to in, intake as much as I possibly can knowledge wise, whether it's through a podcast, through a blog, through, I'm just trying to intake as much as I can on a regular basis. And de- depends on where I'm focused on is where my actual learning process will go in magnitude towards or, or magnetized towards that little period or whatever. But I try to do it as I don't have one exact niche. I just try to get as much information always as I can and try to learn as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Now, what is, do you have a quote, a mantra or something that defines who you are or what your mission is? Oh, you're throwing a lot of curveballs. Oh, they're huh? coming. Trust me. They're coming. Yeah. I just, uh, I mean, just every day treat people how you want to be treated. I mean, that's just, that's the simplest way of living life. Treat people how you want to be treated. And 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 live with compassion just live with understanding that everybody is not as happy or as sad sometimes as you just have to understand where they are and and live with the compassion understand where they're coming from i appreciate that mantra that message so much so right now and i think that that is a big thing that's missing i think that's a big thing that we're missing right now is this time has impacted a lot of people in so many different ways. And we've lost a bit of the empathetic compassion that it's affected us all differently, but no one's not affected. Like everybody's affected in some way, shape or form. And it's just affected each other differently. Yeah. I try to, I I try to always live my life in the mindset. And I've, I've been like this for years now. Like you never know what's coming is going through. No. So never judge somebody till you truly could able to sit down and talk to them or ask the questions. And I think we live in a, in a society that people just judge and jump on in judgment by mm-hmm. the way somebody looks, to what they drive, their photos, what they appear, their social media. We're always judging people on first appearance, not really knowing the inner layers. And I'm a true believer that once you dig deep, man, there's some incredible stories to be found there. And, and, and if we all had that understanding of just let, let's dig a little deeper and try to learn and, and, and understand each other, I think this would be a much, much better world. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. And I love the part that you mentioned stories. And I think that was something that really did connect us from the beginning is I'm always passionate about like part of my podcast started was allowing people to share stories, like really allowing and highlighting people in the stories that they've come through. So there's so many facets to what you do and what you offer and the impact that you're here to create. So I would love it if you would share a little bit about you and why you are so passionate about the work that you do. There's so many layers there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's, 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 let's start with uh, just understanding of who I am. I, I mean, I was, I mean, people always question, are you born an entrepreneur? Are you, can you make an entrepreneur? I'm a strong believer in you could teach somebody the tools, but you can't teach somebody the hustle. And I think I was born a natural hustler and I was born with that mindset of, of, of being able to learn and teach as quickly as I possibly could. And I always had that mindset, even from a young age where um, I always wanted to be the the leader in the classroom or, or, or the, the, the captain of the team, or I, I've always been like that. I was the first of all my friends to get their license. The first of all my friends to at 17 has registered my first business. Like I've always been that mindset where I had to just kind of lead the way. And that's led into a career of being an entrepreneur for 25 plus years. I've been an entrepreneur and 
I've really, really always loved just building things, just being able to build it. But as a, as a, a real entrepreneur, I get, I, I would get bored of things very quickly. So I would build it to the point where I knew I could get rid of it and exit it. And I would just move on and build it and move on. And I did that with the gyms. I did that with a, an event company. I did with the sports memorabilia company. I did that with a, a fitness consulting company. So I'd be all these companies and I would just exit them. And then in 2006, is um, it was just another another company I was starting called Camorraware, and it was uh, designing mar- martial art and boxing equipment. And fast forward 15 years, that company's still here somewhere or another with us. And that company has allowed me to create so many other opportunities because it's done so well for us. And and nine years ago, I really dove into the real estate market with a company called True Blue Homes, where we started purchasing vacation and commercial rentals right across Ontario. And, and that actually, that, that whole passion with the real estate, it wasn't, a, it, I always loved real estate, but it wasn't a, a situation where I was doing it to, to run another business. It was a situation where I was looking at Camorware and I was like, this company is doing extremely well, but if something were to happen to me, I would catch cancer. I would, I would get hit by a car. I would get injured. Where would this company be three, four months down the line? Cause I was the one who was still running and even with staff, I was still the head of the company. And, and that was where my mindset with the real estate is, is I wanted something more structured, more sound for my kids' future. So what happened was I started diving really into the real estate where if it, every time I would purchase something, if I purchased a studio condo, I would buy two of them. If I purchased a loft, I would buy two of them for one for each kid. And I made sure they were sustainable, passive income. So if anything were to happen to me, they were financially taken care of and they had a passive income. And that goes to obviously the story we'll talk later on about my son, the reason why I was really diving into it, to make sure his future was secure. And, and that is where that all led into 2020. Then 2020 is the pandemic hit. Yes. And um, and both my companies, uh, my main companies anyhow, were both hit pretty hard, like everybody. They were hit pretty hard where my main company, Camor, where we 96% of our business was wholesale to gyms. All the gyms closed. We didn't mm-hmm. have customers. And then uh, my rental business, the Ontario government said no short-term accommodations. That was shut down. So STAs, so all my vacation rentals are shut down. And then my, my commercial real estate, um, um, the, the, the renters weren't able to pay their rent. So all of a sudden I had a $45,000, $50,000 monthly carrying cost of these rentals. And I had to figure out a way to get this done. So I, I started playing around and really started pivoting all the companies and I was able to get through and manage all of them and, and, and get through pretty decent through those. But it gave me a little bit more opportunity to really dive into the personal branding and the coaching world or something I've had passion for, for God, about three, three and a half years where I've been literally, I, I've taken 64 entrepreneurs under my wing over the three and a half year period. And I, and I really coached a lot of them. I mean, some of them was from this building trademark. Some of them was starting up business plans. Some of them was, some of them are up to six, seven figures now, but I never charged a penny. It was me just giving back, but it was also me learning the coaching industry, learning how to master it. And then also I'm same time learning and building a testimonial portfolio of testimonials and all that. So it was like, at this point it was like, okay, you know what? I've built all this resume of coaching. I've built all these businesses. I know what I'm doing. I've been studying. That was another thing. I've been studying parenthood and fatherhood for a 12 year window where I literally studied as much as I could about parenting, building memories and documentaries and, and communication with your kids and all that stuff. So it was like, okay, I have all this knowledge let's start putting into process. And that's kind of where we are at this point right now. That I know I talk a, a lot. No, no, no. I love it. Thank you so much. I love it. Um, I love the fact that when you just said like you spent the last three years, like 
really coaching like 64 entrepreneurs and you didn't charge for this at this yeah. time. I yeah. think this is a lot of, I think in coaching, I'm going to brand this for a second or yeah. paint it with a brush. Yeah. A lot of people jump in and it's like, oh, big ticket and charge and do all these things. And I, I've even said like for my first couple of years, I was doing like calls and support. I wasn't charging. I didn't know what I was doing yet. I had to figure some things out first. And there's such a thing about like, sometimes you really have to do some work first and, and it's important to give, like it's important to give and learn. So what do you think some of the most valuable lessons you learned during that time working with the entrepreneurs? Patience, people all don't have the same drive as you. Mm-hmm. You have to understand people's different mindsets and different um, hustle levels. So you have to be able to work with different speeds. I think that's the easiest thing to describe because I'm always, when I put something in my head, it's go, go, right? Yes. And, and, tw- and, and tooth- in April of 2020, I said, one, two, three, four, five, six goals to crush in one year and I destroy them all. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I have that mindset when I put something in the head, but most people are not like that. Right. So it was be able to know how to manage different personalities, know how to manage different, everybody's different levels of skill and be able to put people at the right level. When you're gone, they can still succeed. Cause if you put them up too high and they're not ready to be there, and then all of a sudden you're gone, they don't have the support or the accountability behind them, they slowly mm-hmm. start falling off the mm-hmm. train, right? So it was being able to really, really understand, I guess it's almost more the, the neural side, the, the human mindset side of how everybody changes and all that. And that's, be honest, and that was another thing too, is over the 12-month period, um, I, I, I knew how to coach. I was very comfortable coaching. But I, I just to add some credibility, I went out and I got certified through an international certification as an NLP, Neuro Linguistic Program. I got yep. certified as a life coach. Do these mean anything to me? Be honest, no, because I don't really do the life coaching part of it. To me, I'm, I, I call myself a, a problem solver. So you come to me and say, Jeff, I need to write a book. I'm going to find a way you to write a book. Jeff, I need to open up this business. I'll find a way to get open up the business, right? So I'm more of a problem solver than actually like a life coach aspect. But um, I still got them just to add value, right? And as crazy as we live in a world right now, Marshall, where it's through social media, it's it's a coach chasing a coach, selling another coach. It's a circle. Everybody's a coach. Yes. Everybody's certified. Everybody's qualified. Everybody's competing with each other. And I had so many people ask me five years ago, 10 years ago, do you want to coach? And and I always told myself, I wanted to be able to, like, I always knew later on in life, I wasn't getting into coaching, but I always wanted to have that mindset where I built out as much and I proven to myself that I was able to do all this before I was able to serve other people. So I wanted to prove a concept. I want to say, Hey, I've built seven, eight figures. I've built all these companies. I've sold these companies. I've exited. I've done all this. So I have proof of concept and the same with the fatherhood 12 years. And we went through a lot, but it was also, I still studied it and through the whole process. And then when I got to that level where I was like, you know what, I, I'm ready. I still coach for almost three and a half years for free, mm-hmm. just to, to, to really master my craft. So for all those coaches out there that are like, oh, let's get a certification. Let's start working this weekend. I mean, it's it it it, 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 it ruins. Be honest, it ruins the industry. But it is what it is. But I'm a true believer that you got to master something before you be able to teach it. Right. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I really couldn't agree more. So then, what do you feel you've mastered that you are the most effective at in working with your clients? Like I said, I'm a problem solver. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm the type of person where, and I, and I can't even explain why I'm like this. 
is I'll look at any business and I'll figure out in five, 10 minutes what's wrong with it. I've always been like that. And, and, and I have that mindset where I, I'll figure out a way to break it down. And I'll give you an example where a gentleman came to me um, a couple of weeks ago, not weeks ago, months now. And, um, and he said to me, listen, I want to be on a Ted talk stage. And he said, um, I have this company that wants that they'll, that, that it's a three month program. When they're done, they said, they'll introduce me to people at Ted talk and they'll teach me all this stuff. And they will get me on a stage in three months. And I said, okay. And, and I and I said, what's the company called? And I studied the company and I, and I studied exactly what they did. And I went to him three days later and said, here, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go to this website. You're going to search this, 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 you're going to do this, this, this. And you're going to contact these people. Mm-hmm. And within four weeks, he was booked on five stages. Oh my God. So it's just, it's just sometimes it's people don't understand how to break and how to research and put the time in. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm the type where I just, I'll, I'll figure out a way to get it done. I've always been like that. And, and I think that's my, my greatest skill is being able to break things down to a very simple understanding and really then rebuild it up in my own way kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I do with people. I, I, you come to me with a problem and I was figured a way to get it solved. And, and, and I'm not talking about, I mean, uh, there's a lot of people that'll co- like individually that'll come to me and they have, they're going through problems in their lives and stuff like that. I'll talk to them a bit about it, but I'm more the business aspect and teaching you skills, how to be a dad, how to build memories, how to talk to your kids, stuff like that. Those are the things I kind of like love and I master in my way. And those are priceless. There's those are just so priceless. Now, just for the audience, do you work primarily with dads, men, males? I love it. Yeah. 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 Stick to my niche, right? Stick to my, stick to my lane. Right. No, I love this. And I love it for uh, so many reasons. And I just want to share one um, quick story. Years ago, I was at a, it was actually a women's event. And at that point, I was just really learning how to share my story, learning how to like trust my voice and, and all those things. And I heard Lewis Howe speak and he spoke in a room of 600 women and he was fantastic. He was fantastic. He shared how there's so much women's empowerment out there. There's that we're leaving men behind. We have to start to pour into men. And he said, you might be thinking that we're in this room of all these women but you have sons, you have, you have men in your life. Like don't just go out to impact women. Yes, that's important. But in this time we, we are leaving a lot of men behind. And I love that way of thinking. And I actually stood in line to meet him. And I was one of the first to meet him in a great conversation, shared my little snippet of story. And he was like, we need like women to keep going forward and pouring into men and believing, and we need more to encourage men to step up to have the confidence to build that business to whatever that impact is. So I just love that. And I love that that's your niche, but I love what you do. And I just, I just wanted to touch into that a little bit. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's just, it's, I mean, to teach something that you're not in that genre and stuff like that for me to, like I said, it's, it's, it's something where I, I, I see there's a big gap between entrepreneurs and dads. And, and and it honestly started, to be honest, is when I started that, my podcast, 
in last March and, and I was interviewing a lot of young entrepreneurs and a lot of them all had the same thing. And I think we talked about this. They all had this like revenge story where they had this really tough upbringing and they had to prove their dad wrong. And then we finished our podcasting like, Jeff, how are you so successful? How did, what is your story? I'm like, I had a great childhood. I had an awesome childhood. Like I remember being in Toronto, Canada and playing ball hockey every night. Like I had a great childhood. So I don't have this revenge story. So I would see that. And then, and then you start putting stats of what is like 33% of entrepreneurs end up in divorce, higher, higher divorce rate. And then you start talking to a lot of successful entrepreneurs and like, yeah, these guys are working like 18 hour days and they're grinding out to build this business, but they're not home being present. And when I mean home, they'll be like, yeah, I'm with my kids this weekend, but they're on their phone and their kids are on their video game. They're not present. And, and for 12 years um, after everything happened with my son, I, I was, I, it, it forced me no choice but to be present for me to get him out of his situation. I was forced to be home for three, four hours a day. And I learned quickly how to enjoy it, how to appreciate, how to love it. And those two to three hours a day really, really obviously got him to where he is right now, but also got to me to where I am. It made me understand what's important in life. And, and that's something I'm very, very critical about is that when I build my schedule every single month, my family's first thing on my schedule, everything else comes after. Mm-hmm. So it's my family, my health, and then business will pop in. Business comes and goes. And I'm, I have that mindset too, Marshall. There's as an entrepreneur, if I lose money, I'll, I'll figure out a way to make it again. Business has oh, come. I have no issue with that. I have no issue with money. Money comes and goes, right? You're, you know, you'll hear it all. You hear that saying all the time. You don't see a hearse followed by a money truck, right? No. Money comes and goes, right? Yeah. So just having that mindset where you don't want to live with regrets. And that's honestly, that's, that's another topic altogether. I mean, this is something I've been very passionate in the last few years of, I really, really have studied time as a currency and really understood time as a currency. And I try to live every single day with zero regrets. I don't want to be, have that moment where, and I always say this, my mom and dad call me on a Tuesday and in the past, I'd be like, yeah, I'll come see you guys on Saturday. Now, if they call me on a Tuesday, I go see them on a Tuesday night because I don't want to drive home and get a phone call. Something happened to them and then live with regret that I didn't go see them. So I try to live every moment with my family or my closest friends with zero regret. And then everything else, everything else comes in time, right? Business will be there tomorrow. I mean, it's okay. If we don't finish something today, we'll finish it tomorrow. Have that understanding. And and, and once you could really understand and master that, everything, everything's okay after that. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And I thank you for sharing that with us because there is a misconception that especially as an entrepreneur, that it's like, go, 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 go. And you make the rest of your life fit in with it. And that was one of the first things I took from our very first conversation is how diligent you are and that your family comes first in the schedule. and then your health, and then you make business fit with it. And it is funny because it doesn't necessarily mean that you have less business. You actually could have more aligned business. You can have more successful business because your business is getting the best of you because you have done what you need for you first. Yeah. And it's an understanding that time you do have the business is very, it's very productive and very scheduled. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm on social media, 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes at night. Mm-hmm. Most people could get lost on social media for an hour, two hours a day. Easy. I'm when I'm when I'm when I got a client, it's it's an hour here. And like everything's blocked, everything's scheduled, everything's very precise. So if I'm doing a project and I got an hour to do it, I do it for an hour. If I if I'm halfway through, I'll leave it for tomorrow. I mm-hmm. have that understanding that it's not gonna go away. At the same time, too, that hour, I know I got an hour, I'm gonna put everything I have into that hour to get as mm-hmm. much done as possible. So having that understanding that you could be successful on both sides. 
And I and, and you hear every entrepreneur, Gary V's. I heard a guy the other day on a blog, and they're like, life, family, balance, there's no such thing. And I'm like, yeah, there is. Mm-hmm. Why is everybody scared of saying the word balance? You could have balance. You could have a successful business, and you could have a successful family, and you could keep them both balanced and happy. It's just mastering your schedule. And, and, and I'm taking master your schedule to the point where even the white spots in your schedule are mastered. Those white spots are just as important as the other spots. You hear that all the time. You got to really master your schedule and then put in the non-negotiables. Once you have the non-negotiables in your schedule and you understand them and those are like in there, mm-hmm. that's it. Everything else comes. Everything else comes. We all have 24 hours in a day. There's yeah. no reason somebody is super successful and you're not. Yep. That's bullshit. The only reason is they're really making use of those 24 hours. You're not. Yeah, that is, is so bang on and it's so it's so good. So that's going to lead me to my next question then is were you always like that or did you change yeah. after <laughs> right? After um I mean when it comes to family, yeah. I mean my, my son 12 years ago. You want could I could I want me to get into yeah, this quick story? Yeah. yeah, so 12 12 years ago and I mean that was I guess the ha ha moment where I really, really started toning and focusing on time with family. Um, but when it comes to success with business, I mean, I always, I've always done well with business. I've always been able to hustle and, and really, really succeed with most of my companies. But 12 years ago, it was um, uh, my daughter was uh, got a year and a half old. My wife was 31 weeks pregnant at a time with her second child. And but I was one of those entrepreneurs that was working, 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 building, building, building. And, and, uh, it was a Friday afternoon when she got rushed to the hospital and we almost lost my wife and my son the same night. And it was, it was just a, a, one of those crazy days where, um, I, I was pulled in a room and, um, I think I told you the whole story, but I was pulled in a room for your audience and my wife was knocked out and, uh, it is done emergency session in Octoro cause she was panicking, freaking out when she saw her son come out. Um, and uh, my, they were, he was on a ventilator. They were trying to keep him oxygen in his lungs. And they were like, listen, he's probably got about five, 10 minutes left of life. And, and, uh, they were like, what, what do you, what do you want to name on a birth certificate? And I was like, it was just, it was like this, like I was living this dream that day yeah. and it, we didn't even have a name for him. And the first name that came to my head and I'm not even a religious person was Tiago, which is God's warrior. And I just literally wrote that down in the birth certificate. And that's what kind of his journey started. And, um, that night sick kids hospital or, um, uh, that day six hospital was packed. They didn't have a bed. So he was going to be transferred to Hamilton and from North York to Hamilton, he was about an hour, an hour and 20 minute drive. And they said, most likely he's not going to make the drive. And as he was driving to our fortune, to another family's misfortune, a baby passed away, sick kids and that bed opened and they did a UE and they went to sick kids. And that's essentially where his journey started. Right. And, and when he got there um, through MRIs and everything like that, they said he had six organs that are damaged. His brain was very damaged. And, 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 and it was just every single day for the next four months, like I'll give you one story. I think I told you this story uh, at uh, four days old, he was the smallest baby at sick kids history to be on dialysis. So two and a half pounds, he was on dialysis. And um, it was, uh, they said, listen, at this small, at this size, I mean, he can only be on dialysis, maybe two days, three days max, because he wasn't urinating. His body was poisoning himself. And it was, um, it was, I think it was day two. We went back, he wasn't yearning. And, and, and I remember that night when we left, I kind of looked at my wife and said, we're almost like I have to come say bye to him tomorrow. And uh, we walked in that day with our kind of like almost like a mindset, we're going to say bye. And we get in the morning and I went over and I put my little finger touching his hand and, and literally like 
a couple seconds later, he starts pissing. And it was just like, like it was just, it was like story after story like that. With yep. um, he did, 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 did a, a scan of his brain and he said his brain was, he had, he had zero function in his brain. And it was because his brain was, had so much fluid around his brain because he has something called high drops. And he has so much fluid around his brain that he couldn't actually do the proper reading. And, um, and then all of a sudden it would, they would, they would touch sensors and they'd be like, wait, he does have feeling. It was like, it was just this emotional roller coaster every single day. And at four months old, um, we kind of had enough with the hospital. We were just like, we just want to take him home. He was still four and a half pounds at four months old, fit in oh. the palm of my hand. And, and he was still on feeding tubes and the doctors were like, there's no way we could let him go home with this. And we forced the doctors and we did something. We forced the doctors to discharge him. And uh, when he was discharged, he was given a label and a diagnosis of several palsy. And they said, most likely he'll be confined because his brain damaged to a wheelchair his whole life. And I remember we getting home. And the next morning I, I looked at my wife and I'm like, like, my biggest fear is seeing him suffer his whole life. And I don't want to wake up at six years old or 50 years old and be like, I didn't do everything I possibly can. Now it's too late to give him the best opportunity. And I thought from day one, we're going to do everything we possibly can from every type of therapy, everything we possibly can to give him the best opportunity we possibly could. And, and wherever, wherever the cars fall, they fall. Mm -hmm. And, and that's when the journey started. I mean, every, we took everything as a massive win. Like when he was like, God, six months old and he laughed for the first time, my daughter dropped something in the kitchen floor and he laughed. That was a huge win for us. Like we all started crying a year and a half old when he balanced himself and that's another massive win for us. So it was just all these wins, wins, wins. When I was able to get him to start walking and we convinced the doctors to put him on AFOs, which is braces. And we said he, he was in the most likely to wear braces till he's 1920. We were like, it was a big win for us. Like he, he was walking, he was braces, he was walking. And we set, I, I would always set these goals and I would put them on papers and I set goals for him. And like, for example, like him hopping on one foot was a massive goal. It took three and a half months of every day, every day, hours and hours, people was able to hop. And that was a huge goal. And we set this goal in my head. I set this goal for him and I put it down that, um, by 12 years old, he was going to run his first marathon and I was going to do everything I could. And, but before his 12th birthday, he was out of his braces and he just turned 13 November, uh, April 19th on April 18th, we ran our first marathon together. Oh, is, so last week we'd have run our first mill. I know when this airs, but April 18th, we ran our first marathon together. And, uh, so it's been this incredible journey of, um, really, really, really impactful. And, and it's crazy as everybody's like, Oh, like, I, I hear this all the time by a lot of people that know me and like know me for a long time. They always say like, Tiago was meant to be your son because mm -hmm. my hustle, my drive, another person wouldn't be able to push him the way I did. Mm -hmm. But I always turn around like he was meant to be my son because how he's impacted me has made me a better father, better husband, better person, more caring, more respect. Like I, I, I'm a different person because of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and so it's, it's been this incredible, incredible journey. And, and that is a huge part of why I've really dove into the personal branding for the last 12 months. And, and it, it, the reason why I'm doing this is I'm building this platform for myself that eventually when he's 17, 18, 19, when he's ready to tell the story to the rest of the world, cause he's going to, we have all these races set up for the next five, 10 years. We have all these things. He's a, Part of his when he was born, part of his his whole right side of his body had no function. So now through years of therapy and, and and working out, he's balanced it out. But he learned how to do everything with his left hand. So he's become this little left-handed pitcher. So we're documenting these video documentary since he was a kid. So our goal is to hit as a pitcher 90 miles an hour by the time he turns 18. It's not to make the majors, but it's just all these documentation, all these things we're setting and videoing, doing video blogs on. So 
My goal is eventually have this platform on stage when he's ready to step on stage to tell his story, to impact the world. It'll be just slide in and, and, and tell your story and just change how people drive and perspective and think of how life is, right? Oh, it's so beautiful. Thank you so, so much for sharing all of that because it just gives such an incredible context. And even I've seen some of your videos and I'm like, I, how can you not, like, how can you not get inspired by him when you watch? Like you just, I just love it. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And yes, I'm sure he's taught you so many things. Oh, and, crazy amount. Right. I yeah. they always say that, um, like our kids choose us and that that is part of the um, part of the direction. And, and, and I do believe that in, in a lot of sense, I, I, I say my kids are my best teachers. I've learned so much from them and it's, they've changed who I am as a person. And I'm grateful for that because I I have learned so much more about appreciating moments and appreciating um, moments in time without an expectation to yeah. something else. And I think that is a different, that's another whole lesson that I don't think a lot of people have to experience or go through unless they do. And I just, I just wanted to share that. I think that that's really beautiful. I, but I do think you setting goals for him gives him something to focus on, but you also celebrate the hell out of every single milestone. Huge, huge, How huge. I mean, those messages, even, it's because it's you're constantly telling them to believe, your children to believe themselves, but if you don't show them what the belief process is, mm-hmm. it's hard for them to understand it. So, I mean, as a, as a when he was a couple of years old, like him putting his finger through plaster scene was a big thing. That was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. That was a huge celebration. Like every little thing we did for him to be able to touch all his fingers, huge thing. These are all things that we worked on. Like something simple to a normal person. It's been three, four months for him to understand and figure it and get those sensors working. So everything was a celebration, right? And everything was just a big, big event for us. And it and it just magnitudes his energy and magnitudes his drive to get to the next goal. Mm-hmm. He knows he's progressing. He sees the progression. We write everything down. We document everything for him. Like even when we do, like when he was, he just hit 56 miles an hour throwing a fastball. And, and I remember I, I, every time he hits a tone, we have the gun, he holds the gun. So we went from 28, 29, 30. we have every picture showing every speed as he's going older. So everything is just documented because it's just setting his goals. It's like, there's adrenaline right for him. Right. Yeah. And, and everything's just is an incredible, incredible adrenaline for him to accomplish. Right. And even, just like working out every time he lifts a little heavier weight and like he's my workout partner we work out five days a week together mm-hmm. and every time he works out it's just like it's just this every time he does something it's just adrenaline like we have these these things set that he's got to jump and every time he jumps and he gets a little high like everything's a huge celebration and 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 because of that it just it keeps him motivated it keeps him driving right and i i think he's at this point where his mind is so strong his drive is so strong that like, I don't think anything's stopping this kid. Like he's literally like whatever he puts his head to is done. It's done at a, at a, at a, at a such a high level physically. Right. And, and it's so, it's so inspiring seeing how, how driven he is and how focused he is all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. That is so beautiful. I absolutely love that. And I can see how it's an inspiration for you and oh, I can 100%. See, yeah, you can see it. And I just, I love that. I thank you so much for sharing that. So I love how that has shifted you in a sense that you, um, respect your boundaries. You put that stuff in place and you show up with an intention to help show dads that they can, or entrepreneurs, 
yeah. that they can have the family, that they can build the business and that, the, that they can make an impact in the world. Yeah. hundred percent. It's yeah. just, it's, it's, it's that understanding or so that, I mean, people always have that mindset, especially when, and, and, and I has, I have a couple of entrepreneurs that, that are part of the program that are, um, that are divorced now they're separated. And it's funny because one of them the other day was like, I wish I met you three years ago. Like, it's just, it's, it, it, it's just understanding that everything needs to be nourished. Mm-hmm. People think I got married. I got a ring on my finger and I even though I, don't, I never, I've never worn a ring in my life, but you get, you get married, you, you get a ring on your finger and everything's okay. That'll take care of yourself. I don't have to put effort into it. When you're dating, what are you doing? Your effort, you're trying, you're, yes. you're buying flowers, you're going on dates, you're going to movies. You're always trying to elevate your level. Then once yes. you get married, you, you forget it. But once you have kids, forget about it. Oh, it, it, it all compounds. It all compounds. I mean, we're, we're going to celebrate our 28th anniversary this year. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, honestly, I'm just beyond grateful, like beyond grateful, but it's, I've had people say, well, that's like, you're lucky. And I'm like, see, I have a real, I, I have a real thing about luck. I think that luck is something that it does happen. You create it because you are constantly in motion or committed or working. And I think sometimes the universe is like, okay, well, here's this cool opportunity or here's this, because it sees that you're stuck. You're not you're like, you're committed to doing you the work. I a thousand percent agree. I don't even believe in the word luck. Luck comes to those that put in the hours. And then you always hear those overnight success. Like, Oh, Jeff's like, I, I it's funny. Cause the other day too, I was talking to somebody they're like, Oh my God, you only been branding yourself for a year. And look how, look how well you're doing. And it's like, you're like an overnight. So I'm like, I've been doing this shit for 25 years. Like oh, you're not an overnight success. And so there is nothing about overnight successes. There there's nothing that's going to that's going to sacrifice or change hard work in the magnitude of hard work and, and anything that you want to work, you got to put the time into, you got to keep watering the seed or it's not going to, it'll stop growing. The plants can stop growing. You got to keep watering the seed, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your relation, whether it's your part, whatever it is, you got to keep working at it. Cause the minute you stop working at it and think it's okay, or you stop asking, I always say this, stop asking questions. Yes. Yes. Because a lot of people stop asking questions. They assume things are right. The minute you turn around and are able to look at your, your partner or your kids and ask the right questions and understand what they're thinking, what they're feeling, things change. Mm-hmm. So have that understanding that you need to constantly be asking the right questions. And that's something I'm very passionate with my kids of teaching them how to ask questions, how to ask the right questions. Cause I think we live in a society where people they are not taught how to ask questions. And the minute you stop or never learn how to ask questions, you're not going to get through life. But the people that know how to ask questions and how to navigate through those questions are the ones that succeed and and, and network and meet people and move on and do things incredible in this world. Cause it all starts with a question, whether you're asking for help, whether you're trying like, it's just, it's just constantly asking the question. So be able to look at your spouse and just like, Hey, how's your day? Like, Mm -hmm. Like, how are you feeling? Like, like, what, what, what is there anything I could do in this relationship that that like that's missing here? Like kind and of listen. asking that. Like listen. Yeah, listen. of course. Yeah. Of course. That's part yeah. of the process. You ask and you listen, right? Yeah. And yeah. if you could do that, I mean, things work out. But the okay. minute you stop doing that and you assume stuff's good, mm-hmm. that's when the divorce papers come creeping up before you realize it. I'm just, just saying, right? This is the way the world is. It is. And this, this year has been really hard on, I know, I do know a number of 
people's marriages who have ended this past year. Um, there's been a lot of babies, a lot of babies born too this past year. Yep, there's there's <laughs> a, lot, a lot of babies born this past year too. That absolutely. And it's a case of, I think that um, this time of pandemic brought to the surface what was or wasn't working. Like, I think it really showed us what we, what we did like, what we didn't like, what we do want to change, maybe what we don't want to accept anymore. Like, I think it's really brought things to the surface. You know what I think also happened is, and why the divorce rate skyrocketed in the last 12 months is a lot of people were masking this relationship. They were masking it. So what they were doing is, and they were just living. When I mean just living, they would go to work, go to work, husband and wife or partners mm-hmm. or whatever you are, go to work, go to work. You come home, you have dinner, you deal with the kids, you go to bed. Mm-hmm. There's no talking. There's no communication. There was no, let's do something together. Right. It was like, okay, once a year we'll go on vacation. We're all good. I'll read a book on the beach and you'll go to play in the water. With the kids. Like it's, you, it was just that, that mindset of just doing your own lives. And then for the first time you were stuck in the house together. Yes. Yes. And now you're forced to communicate when you didn't know how to communicate. You haven't communicated in maybe five, 10 years. You didn't know how to communicate. So now you're forced to communicate. And guess what? You didn't know how to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. You didn't know how to listen. Mm-hmm. And that started into arguments. And that sort of like, oh, I hate you. You hate me because I can't live with you. I can't live. We were together for the first time. We don't get along. It's because you're both stubborn and you both are unable to ask a question and listen. And I think if everybody had that communication beforehand, they would probably have the best 12 months of their life. They would have more fun than we've been going out. We've been doing outdoor activities, family. Every day we go out for about an hour and a half, two hours as a family and go for a bike ride. Go for, we're doing, we're enjoying it. I'm enjoying the crap out of it because we had set these boundaries. We had set this structure in place before this crap all hit the fan. Mm-hmm. And not because we knew it was happening because it was just part of the way we were managing our relation, managing our, our household with our kids. And yeah. now we are prepared for it. The people that didn't manage it, all of a sudden we're stuck in the household looking at each other 24 seven. It was, it was either they're in their early twenties and let's have a kid or they're in their late thirties, early forties. And they're like, what are we doing together? Yeah. And, it, and it was just like mash, mash, mash. Right. So it's, I think 2020 was a year of just showing like, Hey, how important communication really was and how people really didn't. And that goes towards even look what's happening with our government. No communication, none, no talking, no asking questions. And look what's happening. It's just, it's the world. It's not just a relationship. It's the world, right? Mm-hmm. No, hundred percent. And I, I love that. And I just, the one thing that popped into my head too, is, is that so many people have spent so much time avoiding what like avoiding addressing what isn't working. Or I do have a lot of friends who's, cause I was there. I understand that, but in a space where the kids are like overscheduled, busy, busy, busy. And now all of a sudden it's like, you don't even have time to communicate if something's not working because you're going in so many different directions. And then all of a sudden it's all stripped. It's gone. It's completely yeah, gone. Yeah. yeah 100%. All, all the sports, anything. the dancing, everything. Right? Yeah, all yeah. gone. All gone. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. It was definitely a time of revealing. So you started your podcast a year ago. Is that when it, you started it? Uh, April. Yeah, we started, we launched it in, in April, April, and we pre-recorded 100 and, 114, 115 episodes already. Oh, just sick. you still blow me away. So tell me what has podcasting done for you personally? Like what has it taught you and what's your favorite thing about it? The networking, the networking. 
and, and the branding. I mean, I went in there with one mindset. Our show was, it was strictly for branding and networking and I had a purpose with it. And I think once you have a purpose and, and, and a mindset of what your expectations are with something, mm-hmm. it makes it very clear. And I had a very clear picture of what I wanted the podcast to be. I set very lofty goals for downloads and very lofty goals for many episodes and very lofty goals. I actually set a list of, uh, of uh, 10 entrepreneurs I wanted on my podcast. And I, and I knocked in the first year, I knocked off nine of them, missing one still, which we're actually in the works of getting them on very soon. But okay. it was a situation where I set these goals and the goal was to network the crap of myself mm-hmm. and build as much, as much opportunity as possible. And it has been, it's at a point where I've been a guest on 61 podcasts in the last four months. Oh. Okay. Repeat, so, repeat that. Repeat that. Think about you that. You need to repeat that. You, so not only did you all record, did you say 122? 114, 114. 114 on your own show. You were a guest on 61 podcasts in the last four months. Yeah. That's a lot of talking. <laughs> That's a lot of talking. That's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's been, uh, it's, 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 you have to ride the wave and you have to understand the importance of branding yourself. If you, it's, 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 I always tell you, I was telling somebody this the other day too. The minute you brand yourself, every opportunity comes and people go out there and they're like, I'm the greatest coach. I'm the greatest thing. Why are people not coming to me? And then you see this other guy with this huge social media and he can't please, he's pulling pieces. He's stopping clients from joining mm-hmm. manning himself. That other guy is probably a hundred times better coach, but he's not branded. So and people, tell- Tell people what branding is. No, no, no. Sorry. Tell people what branding is so that they understand that. It's, it's, it's your following your community. I call branding is your community. When it comes to self-branding, it's, it's building a community, building a community that trusts in what you say and true to trust your vision. And the fastest way to building a community in my mindset is, is, is authenticity. Mm. You have to be as real and authentic as people can smell shit from a mile away and be as real and authentic as you can tell your story through your own lens, but at the same time to give as much um, content that's going to help people or teach people or drive people. So you want to be able to be almost a storyteller that is, is, is telling this beautiful journey, but at the same time too, giving lessons all the way around. And then all of a sudden people start following this lead and following and following and following. We went from 300 to 30,000 followers from, from in, in an 11 month period. That's amazing. And, and, and that was pure organic and, and, and how we've done that. It's just, it's network. And, and then another thing too, is when you network, don't be scared to utilize the other person's network. Mm-hmm. You got to use other people's network. Every single network I get to every single person I connect to, they become their audience becomes my audience and have that mindset. And now all of a sudden your audience is growing every day. And I was on a phone call this morning and, um, and, uh, and we had this long conversation. He's a dentist out of New Jersey, incredible entrepreneur. And he reached out to me because he wanted to know more about the man's purpose, my program. And I'm like, yeah, we jumped on a call and I was telling him about the program and, and we're done. He's like, he goes, you know why I reached out to you? He goes, why? He goes, he goes, every time I go to a group or I go anywhere, he goes, I keep seeing this guy with the hat on. He goes, I keep knowing it's like, who the hell is this guy? He keeps popping up everywhere. And it's because I understand like put in the legwork. This self-branding was a total different world for me. It was a different business. The first time ever, I was like, okay, 
I would just, I was just build, do my own thing here in Toronto, Canada and be successful. And everybody locally knew who I was, but I never, I never really expressed myself or show myself to the globe. So the first time ever I was doing that and I thought, you got to get out as fast as you can. Like I had, um, and this is all through like this reaching out, like I would reach out to the amount of publications I would just reach out to and say, Hey, we got, I, 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 we could send you an article on myself. We want to post it for me. And we got 70, 72, 73 articles written, um, posted on blogs and publications in the last year. And it's all just, it's all that stuff when it comes to SEO and branding and building, it all, it all works. It's a long game though too, right? This is not long. Everything's a long game. Everything's a long game. Everything's a long game. When I look at everything, I look at everything. I I always give everything a 12 month process. Mm -hmm. It's 12 months, a comfortable spot. If if it's not working 12 months, you've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. Be honest. I do 12 months, six months, three months. And then I do my daily goals, my domino effect to the three month goal. So I do my daily goals, but at three months, I'm like, okay, be honest, I do it week by week, but at three months, if, if I'm not that much closer to where I want to be, if I don't have a steamroll working, I re-strategize everything. So I figure out what's wrong. So, but, um, but everything's a long haul. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I got to get on a certain amount of publications, certain amount of branding. I got to, I, I got to get a certain amount of podcasts. I got to be on a certain amount of podcasts every month to be able to hit my goal. I got to be, you know what I'm saying? So you start doing it. And then all of a sudden one month, two months, three months pass, four months pass. And all of a sudden you look back and like, Oh wow, I, I'm out there now. And then it starts building and building and then opportunity starts coming. And then people start networking, see, like Craig and I, like people start networking people together and you start all of a sudden this network starts growing and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger. And before you know the opportunities, like I've been, I, I've already had um, uh, this year, uh, for 2021, I already did two public speaking. It's been virtual, but two. I've been asked to do two public speaking. It's all through people reaching out. It's like, hey, I saw you on this guy's podcast. I love you to speak. And it just, everything just builds, right? Yeah, it absolutely does. It is It is definitely that long game. And it's being able to, I think there's a couple things there. You have to be able to allow yourself to show up authentically. And you have to give value. Like you have to give 100%. the attachment of like expecting something. You just know it's going to happen because you continually give value. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's a piece that a lot of people do miss. And I love that you shared that. Congrats on that. Literally. Like I understand the world of podcasting. That's it's, those are incredible numbers. And I just, I find it very inspiring. Yeah. It's it's, it's just putting in the, putting in the work. Like what I'm doing is not not brain science, right? It's not just brain surgery or anybody could do it. It's just a matter of, are you, who's willing to put the time in? Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of people are like, Oh, I want to, when I started my podcast, I had within the first two months, I really, it took off really quickly and I had about maybe 12, 15 people reach out to me like, Oh, friends of mine, I want to start my own podcast. You're seeing you doing so well. And I'm like, are you really going to be committed to this? I'll help you set it up. I have no issues. Are you going to be committed to it? Mm-hmm. Are those 12, one of them is still doing it. Well, isn't that something I was reading, I was doing a little bit of research because I'm actually writing an article about using podcasting for branding. And, um, one of the things, the stats I found is that on any given, no, yeah, right now there's, I think 1,750,000 podcasts available. Yeah. I think, I think it just hit over one point. It just had, it just hit over 1.8. I was reading okay. that the other day. Yeah. And I think it said that, and I, I might be off my numbers. I don't have it in front of me, but I think it said that less than 750,000 have produced an episode in like the last yeah. three weeks, four weeks, yeah. something like yeah. that. So people start it, but they don't stay consistent with it. No, no. This is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It is right? work. It it's is a work. lot of work, right? So it's understanding the whole process where 
it's not just recording it's the editing it's the marketing it's when i when we come up with a podcast is it's it's put on we do in in one day through all the channels we do 14 different posts on for one it. podcast for yeah, what one po- wow we do 14 different posts for that podcast we do we've built this massive email out to where we, we, it's going out to almost forty five thousand. so it's just it's it's, it's it's there's so many different angles of it it's not just put it out and hopefully people listen to it no it's there's a lot of work going on up to that week and going that whole week of doing that podcast now we're doing two, two weeks so it's double the work right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I and that. i'm and and i'm very open with this is i i'm very anal with how my podcast sound i actually i know you're gonna think i'm crazy i actually edit my own podcast still you really i was gonna ask mm. you okay go yeah wow i edit my own podcast i i have it i have it set to every thursday at uh i usually try to do them early on thursdays around six in the morning i have it set on my schedule i do take about two and a half three hours to do it but i edit on my own podcast still because i want to make it have a certain sound a certain vibe i want a certain things but cleaned out so for me to keep trying to get something to do it and then they're not giving the same vibe back. I said, it's, it's you know what, I, I block in three hours and I, and I hammer out two of them once a week and they're ready for the next week. And I've been That's doing awesome. that. And, and and it's it's crazy that I'm still doing that, but I, it's, it's something I, I can't really can't pass on right now. But if it's something you love too, like you obviously, it's not just a control, you actually do enjoy it and you want yeah, to have a certain sound that that's different. Yeah. I have a second podcast that I started and um, love you, Sue, if you're listening. And she loves editing. Like she is, she pieces together with editing and I love how she does it. I don't have that meticulous nature in my, not that. So every time she's like, I know it's, it's a lot of work, but she absolutely loves it. So she does that part of it for us. Yeah. It's funny you're saying that because I'm actually uh, with two other gentlemen. We're actually, uh, we're up to, uh, we've recorded uh, 12 pilots for the first season of a new podcast that we're going to be releasing. So I'm going to be part of another podcast with two other guys that I was invited to be part of. So yeah, a lot of, a lot, a lot of different things are happening. I think it's a great um, source for business. And I think for me, like I, I, as you just said, I love the networking potential. Like I love the people that I have connected with and I love the stories. Like the stories just blow me away. And I think that's because for so long in the beginning, I spent so much time by myself trying to figure it out. And it wasn't until I started to hear stories of others that I'm like, okay, wow. Okay. They did it. I can do it. I can do it. Like it just is this yeah. fuel and yeah. feeding. So I yeah. love sharing that. Absolutely love sharing that. So you're on all these different channels and all these different places where are the best places for people to be able to follow and connect with you. Or are you pretty much everywhere right now? I'm, I'm everywhere. I mean, I, I'm more, when it comes to social media, I'm more present on IG, Instagram. So you can catch me at Jeff Lopes, J-F-F-L-O-P-S. And if you're an entrepreneurial dad that looking to uh, join a community of supportive entrepreneurial dads and learn some stuff, it's at jeffreylopes.com, J-F-F-R-E-Y-L-O-P-S.com. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I have a couple more questions for you. 100%. I just want to reach out and I, want, I see if you can answer this for me. What message would you give to men who are listening right now who maybe are in a job that they don't love? that they are in a space of feeling, especially right now, there's a lot of pressure, but they have ideas, they have entrepreneurial ideas, but they just don't even know where to start. What, what life could you breathe into them right now? I mean, this is, I mean, you hear this all the time. Most, they say, I don't know what the percent is, is, is how many people on their deathbed talk about the regrets. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people is two things. Uh, one, 
visualize yourself in your deathbed. And if you were to die today, have you truly did everything you wanted to do? That's the first thing. Second, I always tell people is write a living eulogy. Mm-hmm. Write down how you want to be remembered by your loved ones and your family. And look at it and look and are you truly living that way with your family and your loved ones right now? And the third is, is understanding that if you truly want something, I get it. Bills happen. You, you, if you have commitments and bills, you're not going to quit your job and, 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 and go on a limb. There's no reason you can't sacrifice yourself. Wake your ass up two hours earlier. Wake yourself. Go to bed two hours later. Set a goal. Say, in three months, I'm going to sacrifice two hours a day. And every two hours, I'm going to get that two hours closer to my goal. Mm-hmm. And then within a three month or a three month period, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to purchase this, or I'm going to have this website built, or I'm going to start this pocket, set a realistic goal and sacrifice your time. Don't go out drinking, go, don't go out to the times. If you like focus, what extra time you could really focus on getting your dreams and then just go out and get them, man. Yeah. No one's going to, no one's going to do nothing for you. Let's just be honest. No one's coming. And, and, and you're going to get them. And, and, and when you tell your dreams and your, and your vision is most people are going to laugh and not think they're realistic. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. most people are going to tell you you're a dad, you got responsibilities, you got bills, you got mortgage. What are you doing? Screw everybody. If you have a goal, just figure out a way to get it done. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, and if you have in your path, don't have a clear vision, reach out to somebody, reach out to a coach, reach out, find somebody in that industry that you want to be in mm-hmm. and just reach out to them, ask yes. some questions. Yes. Learn from people's mistakes, speed up the process, mm-hmm. right? Grab a book, read a book, find there's so much free things out there from YouTube to books to other individuals. You could literally stop 20, 30, 40, 50 mistakes, two, three, four years of speed up the business. If you're willing to just intake that knowledge, sacrifice some time and really drive and go at it when you're ready. Right. But, it, and, and everything too, is just the last thing I would say is a lot of people are like, Oh, oh when, when's the right time? Today is the right time. Like <laughs> it's now like, what were you seriously thinking that tomorrow's going to change tomorrow's going to get any better. What's tomorrow going to bring another problem, another bill. Like you got to do what you do it now. Yeah. I, I love everything that you said there. And I think that it's so gold. I know when um, the pandemic first hit last year, I lost my job. The next morning I woke up and went, okay, you asked yourself for time to build your business. What if this is your time? Yeah. And I, that's literally what I did the very next day. And I was like, nope, this, I will not have any regrets. It's actually funny that you said that. Cause that's one of my models all the time is, will I regret it if I make this decision? And if the answer is yes, then I pivot and I say, okay, how do I, I don't worry about how I'm going to make it work. I just like, I go that direction. Yeah. And I know in the first few weeks I had so many friends saying like, why, why are you working so much? Like, why don't you just take this time and watch some Netflix and chill? And I laugh and go, because I think it's going to be longer than two weeks. I'm, I'm not there. That's not what I'm choosing to do. Yeah. I, and I, I, I literally, when, when the pandemic hit, Arsha, I literally, um, with Kamora, where I, I realized I had to go to online, I had to go to B2C. And most people were like, oh my God, I'm not gonna spend money on marketing. I literally tripled our, our marketing budget. Wow. And, and I knew I had to put that money in to be able to get through with the online sales. And then when it came to, I'm like, like most people, like a lot of my friends and entrepreneurs are just sitting back enjoying the time at home. And I was like, let's go podcast, write a book. Let's just go. Like, this is now everybody's sitting there relaxing. It's my time to get ahead. 
Yep. So you have to understand that if you're going to do something, it's now, it's not, not tomorrow. There's never going to be a perfect tomorrow. There's never going to be a better day. You do it today and you figure it out day step by step. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Beautiful message. Beautiful message. Okay. Two last questions for you. I think you've answered it, but I really want you to tie a bow around it. What impact yeah. do you want to create in this world? <sighs> Gosh, I mean, I always say, I mean, impact there's so many ways. I mean, and, and impact is such a, such a powerful world. I mean, word, but reality is, is as one person, you're only, how many people can you truly impact? Right. So my goal is, is to be honest is one day when something does happen to me, I just want to be remembered by one of those people that always ha- was there for somebody else. Mm-hmm. When somebody was going through a problem, they can know they could count on me. So having that mindset of, of living every single day, knowing that you are making sure your ones around your loved ones are taken care of. Mm -hmm. I think that's just the way it is. And I started, my impact starts from home and then it goes, drives on. Right. I mean, we could talk about business. I mean, I have a goal to, to, to impact. And I know people are like, Oh, I want to impact 10 million people or hundred million. I would, I I have a goal in 10 years. I want to, I want to, I want to help. My goal is to help a thousand entrepreneurial dads become millionaires. That's one little impact of goal. So these are little stuff that that I'm going to do, not and I'm thinking I'm going to do, but it's just, there's, there's a lot more impact in the world and, and there's other things that are going to come later on that I really don't talk about. I mean, there's a lot of charity stuff that I do and I really want to really rev that up in the next couple of years. So there's a lot of things I want to do to impact, but the most important is just, just your loved ones. You want to make sure and your friends and people that you're around and you become build these networks with knowing that they could always count on you. I think that's a huge thing to start with. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I've loved this conversation. You and I have actually had a number of conversations. So I just, I love, I love this time with you and I love what you're doing and the impact that you are creating. I appreciate it. Last question. 100%. What lesson in life are you most grateful for? Man, there's been so many lessons. I think, I mean, this this is obviously probably going to go back to my son. I mean, I mean, his, you know what? I'm going to even take it to differently. I'm going to take it to my dad. Mm. And, and as a lesson, I guess I didn't realize he was teaching me till I was, in my late thirties and on, and already with kids and, and living my life. And when I sat back one day and I actually talked to him and I really figured out what his mindset was, is my dad taught me from a very young age to look at as at wealth and it was measured by your freedom. And my dad worked a nine to five blue collar job. And he was, he worked in Oakville, which you'll know where that is at the Ford motor plant. Yep. And he worked two weeks day, two weeks night. And um, back then he, and I, I tell, I've told this story before, but back then he was making incredible money back then. He was making like 30 something bucks an hour. And if you worked weekends, you would get time and a half. Mm-hmm. And we had all my uncles and cousins, everybody worked at the factory and everybody would work weekends and overtimes, but my dad never worked overtime, never worked weekends. You could have had a nicer house, nicer cars. It wasn't, it was all about weekends and weekends and evenings. And, and anytime he had free, it was with his family. Mm-hmm. And he realized that he was making enough money to live a comfortable, good life and spend as much time with his kids as possible. And, and it, and I never really put that, that, that understanding to that all. And then later on in life, when I actually sat down with him one day and we had this conversation 
And he actually brought it to my life. He's like, you know what? I could have had a nicer car, a nicer house. He goes, but I, I, I wouldn't change nothing because I was able to see you guys grow up and spend a lot of time with you guys and always be, my dad was all at every, every sporting event, everything, right? And so he taught me from a young age, um, there's two lessons there and wh- how, how essentially wealth was measured by freedom. Mm-hmm. freedom to do the spend with the time with the loved ones you had that you want to spend time with and obviously freedom to do what you love to do. And then the last thing is, is coming from a, a very European family. My parents were immigrants to Canada, very European family. My dad wasn't your typical European dad. Most European dads work, come home, sit, have dinner. My dad cooked more than my mom. My dad did more than my mom. My dad picked went grocery shopping. My dad did everything. And, and I saw that and it, and it made me understand how impactful you were as a father in a household and how much you were able to give back. And, and I cook as much as my wife at home. I make, I, I make the bed every morning. I literally make the bed every morning. Like it just, it just it became part of me. And it's something that naturally seeing him do it was understanding that, Hey, this is, this is part of us being part of this family. We have to put our, Yeah. So I think those are two lessons my dad taught me and, and, and it was later on in life that I realized both of them, right? Mm-hmm. They're so powerful. They're so powerful. And I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for sharing everything you did with us, including your time and your knowledge yeah. and everything. So I'm so grateful that we've connected and I cannot wait to share this episode with the world. I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to having our conversation on my podcast. So, so am yeah. I. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.